You're listening to Journeys, a bite-sized podcast produced by Comma DC. Comma is a volunteer-led nonprofit helping immigrants by giving them a platform to share their stories, skills, and experiences. I'm your host, Hala Flynn, and today's guest is Maz Bednarczyk. Maz, thanks so much for being on our show. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, my full name is Marta Agnieszka Bednarczyk, but um, since it's quite a mouthful, I usually go by Maz. That's what my friends and colleagues know me as. So Maz, how long have you been in the U.S.? Could you tell us a little bit about um, your journey here? I have been in the U.S. for around eight months. I arrived in November 2020. Um, I was originally scheduled to arrive here a earlier, but it was still in the midst of the pandemic. And there was still a travel ban issued on most of the European Union countries. So it took me a while to get my visa in order. But once the um, administration issued a statement that um, visas will be lifted the same day, November 8th, I had my embassy appointment scheduled, got my visa, and a week and a half later, I was on the plane to the U.S. Very streamlined. (laughs) Once it started moving, it became streamlined. Before, it was quite a struggle. Yeah, that makes sense. You traveled here at a time where a lot of moving pieces of American culture and society and politics are very turbulent and evolving. Um, did any of those pieces like stand out to you when you first arrived here? Well, they started standing out long before I arrived. So the American culture, politics, just current affairs are part of daily life of many Europeans just because of how dominant news from the U.S. are. In, on our TV, in our internet, and um, it's something that is very eagerly discussed among people. You know, hey, have you heard what's happening in the U.S.? This happened, that happened, they're going on through this. And also, whatever developments are happening in the American politics, uh, or in general in the political and cultural arena in the U.S., have quite an impact on what's happening in Europe. So events like January the 6th or Roe v. Wade, things like that are discussed whether you have been to the U.S. before or not. Um, So before I actually left to D.C., many people have been asking me, hey, are you sure you want to go? Because that seems to be a bit of a wild country right now. Um, I think it's Not that it hasn't been before, but maybe we have started realizing it on a more international level. Um, The scale of different problems U.S. is struggling with. Um, And I think also many Americans have kind of come to that conclusion since more and more issues that have been there and have been part of the system for a long while are coming now to the surface and people are talking more about them. But it's not that they haven't been there before. Yeah. Were you, when some of your friends and family were checking in with you about uh, your journey here, did did you still feel really confident or was part of you scared? Um, not really. I couldn't say that I was really scared. Um, I think it's also part of perhaps the privilege that I come with, you know, growing up 
white middle class Eastern European or Central Eastern European. Um, you know, I have not um, experienced that many difficulties when it comes to traveling or um, safety traveling um, before. Uh, actually, the the only problems I ever had obtaining visas, getting into a country, going through all these processes were related to my travel to the US. But here I actually don't feel um, like I have a reason to be scared. It's more of a curiosity and slight disbelief at moments. Disbelief about what? When you grow up outside of US, okay, and I cannot speak for all of the world, but at least, you know, the part I grew up in, Central Eastern Europe, a lot of the information that you get from mass media, from books, TV, radio, anything, is that US is this wonderful place full of opportunities um, and that anything is possible there, but in a good way. Like this is the place that you go to fulfill your dreams. And of course, it's not that everyone leaves this um, without questioning, but there's still this idea of U.S. really be, being the leader of the modern world and that this is the country that has things figured out. As I said before, it seems that in the recent years, we started realizing that perhaps there are quite a few things that U.S. is yet to figure out. But when I'm actually here physically, I can't not wonder sometimes, you know, I'm just looking around and the question in my head is, hmm, so this is how you decided to run things. That's certainly a choice. It's not that I have all of the answers to the problems America is struggling with or that things back in Europe are better without a question. But some of the ways of how the society works, how different elements of the society and economy particularly are perceived and what they are believed to be are quite different. And it's still difficult at moments for me to understand why there hasn't been a switch in some aspects yet. Mm, yeah. As part of the immigrant community, how do you navigate offering like an outsider's perspective? Um, is that ever hard to say, to balance, like, I want to feel like I belong here, but also I have this whole perspective of a, of a different life in a different place that could be beneficial here? Well, that is actually quite difficult to do. Not just people growing outside of the U.S. that were brought up with a certain image of the U.S. There seems to be quite a lot of this internal messaging that happens within the U.S. about who we are, what we stand for. Of course, a lot of it has to do with values, but there also seem to be certain kind of blind spots that this sort of unified message of we are the best, we are the free country, we are the democratic country, provides a sense of, I think, stability and also certainty for for many Americans and offering any sort of insights that challenge these notions is not usually quite welcomed unless 
I'm talking with people who are already a little bit skeptical. But otherwise, I see it as mainly perceived as, oh, it's just Europeans' pastime to um, criticize Americans. Not a real valuable insight. Yeah. How do you go about expressing yourself based like in that vein based on who you're around you know like how can you tell that somebody might be um perceptive or welcoming of your expression and and your um your perspective well it's actually quite easy to spot because you can quite easily tell whether a person is getting maybe triggered or just defensive they will say oh, no, but what you don't understand is this or that. Or, no, I don't really see it. Or, oh, you're just saying it because of this and this. Um, a person who is actually curious and receptive to another perspective will usually tr- say something in the lines of, oh, that's interesting. Oh, what made you think that? They will be more inquisitive rather than trying to reject the notion or the comment um, in... Uh, in its entirety whether they agree or not yeah so you can kind of like pick up on those sort of their body language or their clues as they're talking based on whether they'd be receptive absolutely and there's quite a lot of people who are in general interested to hearing your perspective as an outsider and there are those who are not and i think that's you know that could be said about any country, any nationality, ethnicity, any yeah. group of people, basically. Uh, what I find quite special here is how convinced of some sort of American superiority many people here seem to be. And I, of course, compare it to what I grew up in in Poland, where criticizing Poland as a state, Polish government, Polish way of doing things, seems to be almost a national sport. Of course, you cannot do it as a foreigner, right? Then we get angry. That is absolutely forbidden, especially if you're a Russian or German. That is something that, you know, those are opinions that people usually won't recognize as valuable. But internally, we go about complaining and criticizing Poland a lot. Here, I don't see it so much. And there seems to be quite a big... uh, sense of resistance to acknowledging that maybe we don't have everything figured out. Perhaps it is time to start learning from the outsiders. But I think there is still um, a bit of time that will need to pass before that conclusion is reached. Yeah. Um, It's funny to see how or to hear about how things are on the the flip side. Like the um, a lot of people are hesitant here in the U.S. to criticism from other countries but it like you said it it can happen anywhere um it's just part of like I think the way that people are really attached to what they feel like makes their community special um and I, I think you're right Americans are very convinced of that yes the so-called American exceptionalism yeah and I think there are quite a few ways in which um, United States is exceptional and has paved the way um, on many things or has done some things that other countries have not, but it's not 
a competition. Mm-hmm. It's not you're a loser or a winner type of game. And to actually be successful in an international community, in international relations, in general in the world, a bit more of a collaboration and peer learning seems like it could be useful. Just an idea. <laughs> yeah, I think an idea that has a lot of value. Um, one of the things that you mentioned to me when we first met about um, the way that American culture was exceptional is the receptiveness to um, exploring gender identity and non-binary communities. Can you take me through what it was like to discover that reception here? Or maybe you always knew that that was um, a possibility here. Right. So the language I grew up with, my native language is Polish, which is very heavily gendered. So it was only much later in life, not too long ago, when I started exploring the subject of non-binary identities. And it happened not in Polish. So I started um, exploring this whole thing a few months before arriving in the US. But the actual push when I felt like, hey, it's okay for me to come out to my colleagues, to start using my preferred name, which is Maz, to start using they them pronouns, was either around the time I was just about to move to US or soon after I moved. And, you know, the very first day I went on the street where I live right now, and I saw so many rainbow flags all around. My first thought was, hey, this is amazing. Where I come from, if you see a rainbow flag in a public space, you can expect it to be burned by someone a few days later. Of course, it's not as drastic in every part of Poland. Bigger cities, it's a little bit better. But there is still so much hatred and animosity towards queer identities. And here, I have really found a safe space to tell people who I am without it being questioned without it being undermined. I just tell people, hey, this is the name I would like you to use when you're referring to me, and these are the pronouns. And of course, people will misgender me sometimes, you, she, her. That's also okay that those are the pronouns I grew up with most of my life. It's not like it offends me, right? It just, I discovered it just doesn't really fit anymore. And it's, uh, and it's honestly quite okay to just correct a person and move on. Uh, I found people to be quite receptive to that. And that's one thing that I am, you know, very thankful for in terms of coming to the U.S. Because I don't know how much longer or if ever this process of kind of coming out and living as a more authentic part of myself, as a more authentic version of myself would happen. Yeah, I think um, it's really cool that you got to see the support in in your physical environment in your neighborhood of the like that affirmation of the the rainbow flags and um the inclusivity because that's definitely like you said about Poland it's not every city um and the same is definitely true of the U.S. um but you also mentioned uh like people might misgender you just based on um your appearance or 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 something else how do you wish that people might change the way they make 
assumptions about you, about your gender or your immigration status or like any aspect of your identity? Well, you know, ideally, I would love to live in a society where we don't make these generalized assumptions about people, right? But we also know that that's not how the brain functions. But I have experienced, based on me coming out and expressing more openly my identity to people, a level of curiosity, that's one thing, but then also caution in terms of assigning specific characteristics to me, right? So if I am assumed to be a woman, in Poland especially, which is still quite a mm, traditionally sexist society, there is a variety of traits and characteristics that would be assigned to me. Similarly here, once I tell people, hey, but I'm not that, this is my name, these are my pronouns, this is my identity, they start being perhaps not so quick to jump into conclusions about other things mm. that pertain to my character, my abilities, my skills, etc. I still have heard people saying, oh, you like this? Oh, you're you're saying you're not a woman, but this is such a girly thing. Well, yes, a non-binary person can have a traditionally girly likes or preferences, just like, you know, expression, etc. But it doesn't mean um, they are this or that gender, right? It's more of a correlation rather than causation uh, type of relationship. And one thing that I probably am still waiting to see is a similar level of caution and curiosity when assuming other things about different parts of my identity. Identity. So for example, the fact that I am European, but also Eastern European, which is very different sometimes. What What's the difference to other people? I think what they realize when you say Eastern Europe is that it's the part of previous Soviet sphere of influence, therefore poorer, less developed less accustomed to democratic processes, to civic engagement. And I think the level of privilege that is assumed of you when you say that you're just from Europe is very different than specifying which part of Europe. And I think the last part that's quite curious to me that I'm still exploring is the racial aspect of things, because here in the U.S. it's a very hotly discussed topic, yeah. uh, the racial dyna dynamics. You know, race as a social construct is not as present in Poland or, you know, where I grew up in general, this part of Europe. It's not to say that, for example, racism doesn't exist. It certainly does. But the main differences that are brought up in terms of like conflict or disagreements are based on either nationality, ethnicity, or religion. I never had to think about my skin color, really. It's only here that certain things are assumed of me or sometimes are kind of implied because of how I look without necessarily me knowing or realizing them sometimes. Like what? Well, I think one of the most common assumptions that I face is that I am wealthy and that's really not the case and then what connects to uh to, to growing up in Europe is a certain privilege and access to opportunities 
And don't get me wrong here. I do consider myself a fairly privileged person. I have been able to travel the world. I have been able to learn many things, uh, meet people. I'm doing fine. But there are still things that, you know, I did grow up without or that I don't feel are necessarily fair to assume of me just based on the way I look, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. I think something that I keep coming back to in the themes of everything you've touched on is how often you've used the word curious or curiosity. It sounds like in general, it's a way that you approach your life. How would you encourage other people to get more curious about their surroundings or the people that they interact with as opposed to making assumptions? It has a lot to do with the perception of the world, right? And whether you believe that there is one inherently true reality or is all a matter of perception. And I am leaning much more towards the latter because I have had the luck of living in quite a few places and meeting people from virtually anywhere in the world know that what I perceive as real and especially quote-unquote normal is not true for so many people and who I who am I to judge right is it the majority is it you know who has more power in whatever aspect right so when you get used to this sense of ambiguity and fluidity also in terms of, you know, what is real, what is normal, appropriate, inappropriate, you eventually give up this mindset of, oh, I know for 100%, this is true, this is right, and this is normal, right? The word normal doesn't mean anything without the context. It's just a word that we use to describe what is maybe common or the most visible. But it doesn't mean that um, other things could not be normal in a different context, right? Yeah. So I think just getting used to diversity around you, whether it's at work, friends groups, community, you start acknowledging that you never know for real. And it's better to be curious, ask a few questions, make sure that you know what's happening before you jump into conclusions and assumptions because you never know yeah you never know that's um like kind of the opposite of being convinced of your own culture like you said earlier um i think that's really great advice thank you so much for being on our show this was really great i appreciate your your thoughts and and your curiosity thank you i appreciate the invitation um, I'm glad I could share a few of my thoughts and insights and yeah, if anyone finds them useful or curiosity inducing, then I have been successful. Thanks to Moz for being on our show and to our listeners for supporting us this season. If you'd like more stories, subscribe to hear our episodes that come out each Friday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
Subscribe to our newsletter for upcoming events by visiting our website, commadc.org, or follow us on Instagram at comma.dc.